Thanks to EQ Bank for sponsoring this episode of Explorer FI Canada. The EQ Bank Savings Plus account reimagines banking by offering a competitive everyday interest rate plus the flexibility of a checking account. Along with free transactions, no everyday banking fees, no minimum balances, fast, cheap, and fully transparent international money transfers, and more, all from a single account. Visit exploreficanada.ca forward slash EQBank to learn more. Hello and welcome to Explorify Canada podcast. Join us as we sit with other Canadians at the roundtable. To discuss and sometimes argue about financial independence in Canada. All right, good afternoon. It's Money Mechanic with you on Explorify Canada. And of course, with us as usual is co-host Chrissy. Hello, how are you, Money Mechanic? Doing quite well. I'm, I'm quite happy to be an introvert at home with my dog and my <laughs> wife right now, uh, making the best of things. Uh, we also have a new co-host for this episode, uh, Megan from my fair city of Victoria. Welcome, Megan. So happy to be here. Great to have you here. And returning to the show once again, one of our favorites, fan favorite, is Fia. Hi, Fia. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me back. Always a pleasure. And today we figured we'd better uh, address some of the issues that are facing uh, most of us these days in this and uncertain times. Uh, I'm here to uh, learn along with the rest of our listeners because I don't have children and I don't have the challenges that many of you are facing with childcare and homeschooling. But luckily, we do have some people with some experience that we can hopefully share with you, the listeners, and make life a little easier and more fun. And uh, we'll all get through this together as a community. Chrissy, you've got some kids at home, and so does Fia, and so does Megan. So I'm going to let Chrissy start off with <laughs> where she wants to go. <laughs> yeah, well, well, Money Mechanic thought of this episode as an idea, and I thought it was a fantastic idea because... With the COVID-19 pandemic going on, uh, a lot of kids are out of school. They, well, it's spring break right now, but they will be out of school after spring break ends. And we need to find a way to keep their education going, even if their schools don't open up again. And we thought of Megan and Fia because they both have experience with homeschooling. Megan homeschools her four children and Fia was homeschooled herself as a child growing up. And uh, I know you've mentioned in the past that you have considered it on and off for your own children now, Fia. So how about we start with you? What are your feelings on homeschooling now that you may have no choice but to homeschool your kids for the next little while? <laughs> well, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting experience. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Actually, I'm looking forward to the challenge of finally being kind of forced to make a make a move on this homeschooling decision that I've been pondering for the last little while. But I think it will be a lot of fun. I will be writing a, a post on it in the next couple months. But I think we have decided to move forward and homeschool our youngest. He's just about to turn three. So as we get a little closer, we'll start him in the homeschool process. And um, our oldest has decided that for now that he's really enjoying where he's at in school. So he's going to actually stay in the public school system. So we'll have our, our toe in each pond, so to speak. Hmm. I like that. It's an interesting way to do it. And it'll allow you to compare the differences between the two setups. 
yeah, it should be a really interesting contrast, kind of an experience from both uh, perspectives and then couple that with my experience being homeschooled um, as a child. And so I'm hoping to get a little bit of the best of both worlds and hopefully bring some opportunities to my kids from from both perspectives. Mm-hmm. And how about you, Megan? I, I guess it's not really a huge change for you with the kids being out of school. Uh, how are you managing during this time with your homeschooling? You know, it's kind of interesting because everyone has that idea that nothing's changed for me, but actually we had a lot of extracurriculars in the community. Um, So those have all been canceled, which means in the beginning of the year, I had planned, you know, what the kids will be learning all throughout the year and heavily based that on things that they could go and do in the community, you know, programs at the local university and music classes and all sorts of teams and and things like that. So everything is canceled now. So I am a little bit more prepared uh, than someone who's been thrust into this just in this last week, but still, you know, I have some work to do as well, refiguring out learning plans and all of that for for my own kids. That's interesting. I'm glad that you're here to tell us that I wouldn't have thought uh, being someone who's never been homeschooled and hasn't actually been close to anyone who homeschools. That's fascinating that, yeah, you are definitely affected if you're stuck in the house and can't get the kids to these extracurriculars. Yeah, absolutely. I think it kind of brings us all together in that even seasoned homeschoolers are going to be scrambling just a little bit right now, you know, not as much as the the overall community, but it does kind of bring us all together in that we all need to work together and support ourselves in this wild time that we're all in, right? You know, all of our kids are going to go a little bit stir crazy <laughs> together from a safe distance. So, you know, it's it's tricky, but we're going to work through it. I've got some ideas I'm, I'm bringing to the podcast and, and we'll chat it out and hopefully give the listeners some... Uh, good advice, some some ideas anyways. Well, that's great. Do you want to start with some of the ideas that might be more actionable for listeners who are stuck at home with the kids and want to, <laughs> want to help them not lose all the learning that they've acquired over the year? Yeah, absolutely. So at first, I just, I really want to say um, this is not homeschooling, what most people have been thrust into. This is kind of a a last minute attempt to deal with a pandemic, not a seasoned and non-stressful parent Mm -hmm. sitting down and casually choosing which curriculum might work for each of their children. Um, You know, the kids are going through this huge period of transition and possibly stress if they know what's going on. And even if they don't know what's going on, they might be picking that up from their parents. And as I'm sure every parent knows, you know, a stressed child is not an easy to reason with or teach child. So I know that a lot of my friends who have kids who are now thrust into this homeschooling life are kind of saying like, how could you possibly have been doing this for years? This is insanity. <laughs> I, you know, I can't get anything done. My yeah. kids won't listen. I give them a workbook and they just cry. <laughs> <You know>? Exactly. <laughs> I'm getting a lot of that from my friends. And I just, I really just want to put it out there that that is not what homeschooling is. That's not what it has to be for anybody out there. There's this idea that kids when they're in school are just sitting neatly in rows of desks and working on their workbooks and they just sit calmly and listen to the teacher and 
It's just not like that. Not even in schools, not even in the best of circumstances when the world isn't going through this stressful time, right? It's not like that in classes either. There have been some studies done on the actual amount of learning time that happens in an entire day at a school, and it's less than two hours, which you kind of think like, how is that possible? But if you think about it from... Uh, the point of the teacher, right? How much of that time is transition time, getting kids to, okay, settle down, it's time to start listening. And, you know, they might read a book, and then it's time for recess, and everybody goes outside. But before they can go outside, they all have to get ready. And that takes, you know, 15 minutes, and then they come inside, and it takes another 15 minutes to put their stuff away and get back to their desks and, and all of this, right, all throughout the day, all of these transitional times. So, when you actually sit down, how much time are kids learning, especially little kids, right? High school is a little bit different, but but the, the younger kids who you can't just put with a workbook and expect them to get all this stuff done, they're, they're not actually sitting and learning for the eight hours a day that they're, that they're at school. So I just really want to reassure parents that if your kids are crying because you've been trying to get them to do math for an hour, just take a break, you know, take a, don't, if, if the crying has started, the learning has stopped. And no matter how much you try and calm the situation, they're, they're not going to learn at this point. They've already reached that point of meltdown. You can try and say, it's okay, you know, we're going to work together. But if they've gotten to that point where it's getting emotional and they feel frustrated, just stop. You don't have to learn within the period of nine to two each day, right? You can do a little bit here and a little bit there, and you can be strategic with the nighttime stories that you read them as you're putting them to bed. You can be talking about math problems while they're having their bath. You can go for a family walk and talk about the types of trees that you see. It doesn't have to be workbooks that you've ordered online that are teaching, you know, common core math. And that's the only way that you can do things. I think um, there's a lot of that, that thought process out in the community right now that it has to be something that came from their teacher or came from a, an organized curriculum where you get it and they're supposed to do this many sheets per day kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Learning doesn't need to be like that. And you can maintain everything that your kids have learned up until this point finding ways that work for those kids specifically. This is kind of a golden opportunity to take things that they're interested in and be strategic in how you talk about those things. You know, if you have a kid who's really interested in dinosaurs and you know that they're trying to figure out multiplication right now, well, you can talk about dinosaur mating habits and if two dinosaurs have three babies twice a year how many dinosaurs is that right like mm-hmm. i think it just kind of requires a a mind shift as to how we're going to teach the kids because this isn't normal times and you haven't had months to sit and prepare and ponder and discuss with your kids what do they want to learn and you know talk to homeschooling communities and figure out the best curriculums it just it doesn't have to be like that this is just a time to kind of come together as a community i've got a ton of resources that we can put into the show notes to share with listeners that's and uh, yeah we'll figure it all out together mm-hmm. well i think that's a really reassuring message that Especially with that, if you really think about it, they're only getting about two two to three hours of education in a full day of school. So that, 
it really takes the pressure off as a parent to hear that. And I want to ask Fia, is that what you found growing up as a kid? Did you find that your learning could be spread out and it was a lot less pressure than um, you're finding in the public school system? A hundred percent, Christy. When I was doing homeschooling as a kid, oftentimes my workday where I actually was doing schoolwork would probably be about two up to a maximum of four hours of work. And that included even when I was in my later years of high school. So, and on top of that, I, one of my favorite things about being homeschooled that I loved was I would always negotiate with my mom every year when I would start school and when I would finish. And she started to get really free with how I would do that. And she would just tell me, well, as long as you get your work done, you can start it and you can finish it whenever you want. So I would often start my school year in late October and I would finish in early February or March. So it was not only a shorter day, but it was a shorter school year as well. Hmm. So that was interesting. Yeah, it was a huge bonus to me, but it, it does, it does always amaze me how much work you can accomplish in a home setting when you're able to sit down and do focused work without all those transition periods that Megan was talking about. And also too, you're able to work at your own pace. So if you need to spend a little bit more time on one topic, but you're really efficient at another, you can, you can cater to that. Whereas, you know, your traditional teacher has to be, has to work with a full group and attend to that group's entire needs and can't be so learning specific. So When I think about the circumstances of COVID, it's almost like it can be a really intimidating thing for parents to all of a sudden be like, oh my goodness, I'm now responsible for my child's learning for the foreseeable future. But when you break it down to, you know, if I can get my, my child learning for two hours out of the day separate, it doesn't even have to be two hours straight through, like Megan mentioned, Um, it's a much more bite-sized chunk of time. And then looking at it as I don't need to recreate the school setting. It's totally okay if I use this as an opportunity for my child to learn in a different way. So whether that's, you know, doing your reading comprehension and math through something as simple as playing Scrabble or another board game mm-hmm. or learning how to play crib or, or doing research online around a topic that they're interested in or cooking, maybe cooking is a great way to get them reading recipes, planning, looking for ingredients and doing math in terms of measurements. So it doesn't have to be as structured or as formal as we envision as parents when we think about a school setting. Mm-hmm. Now, since you have that experience as a high schooler who was homeschooled, I'd like to ask you about that because I'll, I'll ask Megan about the elementary school years because that's what she's in right now. But as someone who did the high school curriculum at home, do you have some practical tips for parents who have kids in this age range who are, or are in later elementary school years? Yeah, I would say from a high school standpoint, it really depends on your child's personality. Uh, Homeschooling is really well suited to kids who are generally self-motivated and self-disciplined in those later years. It makes it very easy from a parenting perspective if your child is is, um, kind of natural traits tend towards, you know, sitting down and wanting to finish their work first. But I think for older kids, especially through this process, is if they're that type of personality, great, you're going to have an easy time with this. They're just going to get their work done. And that's all there is to it. But if there's a little less desire to do that and to get into it, I would say, A, for me, uh, for one, I would say this is a great opportunity for parents to let their older high school kids sleep 
as long as they want to. (laughs) That's something I'm extremely passionate about is the topic of sleep. And the way our public schooling system is set up, it is really not conducive to allowing teenagers to sleep Mm -hmm. um, in their optimal circadian rhythm. So use this as an opportunity to let them sleep. And if they don't wake up until 10 or 11, that's okay. And they might wake up and be that much more efficient and that much more focused and willing to get some work done. And then breaking it up through the day, just like you would with elementary kids, they don't have to sit there for four or five hours and get all their work done, you know, breaking it up and giving them opportunities to do really focused work and then step away is probably the ideal way to um, create a learning environment anyways. So giving them a chunk of time where the expectation is, you know, you do your work and maybe then that chunk of time is rewarded with some screen time or an opportunity to chat with friends um, maybe online instead of seeing them in person right now. Mm-hmm. But, um, and then also a really great opportunity to really cater to your older child's interests for, for my oldest, he's about to turn 11. So he's not quite, um, not quite in his teens yet, but he's a huge fan of skateboarding. So, for me, a challenge that I've planned ahead for him is to start to do some research around the origins of skateboarding, um, how that came about, what he can learn about the most famous skateboarders, what he likes about them, their tricks and that type of thing. And that gives him an opportunity to take a topic he loves that he's not going to be able to research and learn about in school per se, and really delve into it and then come back to me and present those findings. And so that's going to help him in terms of his reading, his comprehension, his research capabilities, and then he's going to have to present it to me in an articulate manner and um, work on his presentation skills. So you can kind of tailor these opportunities to your kids' interests and where they really like to learn things. And the reality is, is in doing that, you're probably going to be covering like a broad spectrum of learning skills and content. I love that. It just gets my creative juices flowing, (laughs) thinking about how to handle things with my own kids. And so we'll go back to Megan now. Um, Thanks for those high school and those preteen tips, Fia. Megan, you're in the thick of the elementary school years. What are your actionable tips that you can share with parents to get their kids started with learning at home and just getting through this tough time? Actually, I have a a bit of a spread from toddler all the way to teen. Uh, So I have a whole whole, different idea kind of for each bracket because you can't treat, um, you know, teenagers the same as you would treat toddlers who need (laughs) constant watching and motivation. So one thing that I wanted to add for the, the teenager thing from Fia is that my son does not enjoy mornings at all, which completely fits into her let them sleep. Uh, theory. It's I absolutely it's brilliant. I completely agree. My son does almost all of his learning after I've gone to bed for the night. He's a major night owl. He will stay up sometimes until midnight working on his schoolwork and he just leaves it on the kitchen counter for me to check when I get up in the morning. Uh, he likes kind of the quiet, dark period of, of the evening. And when he's trying to work on anything during the day with all of his younger siblings running around, it just does not work for him at all. So that's kind of one thing is don't be stuck in one time period throughout the day and think mm-hmm. that your teen has to learn during those same school hours because they don't. Mm-hmm. This is a great opportunity to be as flexible as they possibly want to be. It'll take a little bit of 
de-schooling or unschooling is, is some of those kind of common terms where kids are adjusting from being out of school, which is very go, 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 very loud, very chaos, right? And then they're all of a sudden at home and they don't really get that slow, slow down period to adjust to a homeschooling life. Mm -hmm. So I would say um, people who have just been thrust into this in the last few days or weeks just don't have high expectations of anybody, you know, take that time and kind of say like, okay, this is the new reality. How can we kind of calmly build ourselves into this? Don't try and go from no schooling at home to all of your schooling at home and expect that that'll work. But there are ways that you can do things for especially elementary kids. Like if you have elementary kids, this will be reasonably easy if you can let go of your expectations because there are so many ways to learn and maintain learning that they've already done at their schools and you just build on that at home without having to reinvent that wheel so that doesn't necessarily mean workbooks it can some kids like workbooks i have one daughter who just cannot get enough like worksheets coloring books, um, little educational games and board games and things like that. She can't get enough. She just soaks it all up. But none of my other kids are like that. So that's kind of another thing is just if you have multiple kids, be prepared to do different things for each one. Um, but for elementary school kids, there are a million apps out there uh, for computers and tablets and phones Tons of them are free. We will put a whole link, a whole list of them in the show notes for people to check out. Um, even the ones that are normally not free have in this COVID situation come together and put out their apps for 30, 60, 90 day free oh, wow. trials. That's amazing. It's great. Absolutely great. So for some of my, my favorite ones, there's one called Prodigy Math, which is like a video game. So if your kids love video games, this is where you want to go. It's They kind of follow maps and complete quests and things, but they get into these kind of fake magical battles. And in order to have a, kind of like a win in your battle, you have to be able to answer questions. So Prodigy is amazing because they... Do a little assessment when your kids first sign up to see exactly where they're at. And then they will tailor the questions specifically to where that child is right now and where they need to end up by the end of their grade level. And then in the parent section of that account, you can see reports. This is where your child is really excelling and ahead of the curve. This is where your child is struggling. They'll break down examples of the questions that your kids are struggling with, um, how many questions they answered, how long they were on it. Wow. Like it's just incredibly detailed. Yeah. Can I ask if something like that, is it tied to the Canadian or BC curriculum? Because my kids once used a math app, I think it was called Splash Math, but it was tied to to an American curriculum. Do you know if these ones are tailored at all to different provinces or to Canada? Yeah. So Prodigy Math is American. There are Canadian ones, but I don't like the reports mm. on those as much. So what I often will do in another section of the parent uh, section is you can specify exactly what you want them to be working mm -hmm. on. So you take your child's curriculum, what they're supposed to be learning in the year, and then you can select it from Prodigy Math and you insert those questions. So instead of Prodigy Math going through its regular um, rundown of the order that questions might go in or the types of questions that they're getting, instead it follows what you've specifically 
told it to do. So it's got like an automatic and uh, manual kind of version that you can follow. But I have some Canadian ones as well. Just my kids aren't Mm -hmm. as super into those. Um, another one, if your kids are needing to work on, uh, reading, uh, is called ABC mouse or also reading eggs. And those normally are paid subscriptions. Prodigy math is free. You can pay for an upgrade, but the basic program is free, but ABC mouse and reading eggs are normally paid, but are currently helping out the community and, and allowing uh, uh, free signups. And those are kind of similar ideas. So it's a video game that you're following along and there's stories and all of that. It gets more complicated as the grade level goes up um, and there's reports and, and all of that. So if you have an elementary age child that enjoys electronics, it, you're basically set. You can set up everything like this and then you can you know work from home or whatever while they're doing that. Of course, it's better to be hands-on. Your kids might be more engaged if you're able to kind of sit with them and, and make it like a family thing. But I work from home, so I understand that sometimes you can't <laughs> sit with them or you can't do the, the, the suggested way of doing it. And when you need those breaks or you know, if you've got a cold and you just don't feel up to it, well, there are programs out there, so many supports, especially for elementary kids, not as many for high school kids, but by that age, they're a little bit more able to design their own curriculum anyways, or sit and read a book and write a report. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you've got a kindergartner, that's just asking too much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, those sound like fantastic resources. Uh, Thea, what about you as far as looking into it for your own kids? Are there any useful resources that you've come across or or any tips that you like to share? I think one of the most useful resources I found um, from a parent perspective is actually just going to the BC government website and looking at the curriculum core competencies. So when Megan's talking about those learning outcomes as a parent, sometimes we're not always familiar with what is my child actually supposed to be learning in grade two in English? What are they trying to teach them there when you really boil it down to a Coles notes idea? And if you go to that website, it has everything broken down by subject and by grade in terms of the ideas and core competencies that they want each student to achieve in that given grade. And I think from a parenting perspective, that can be really helpful in actually taking the pressure off and realizing that, okay, this is these are things that I can accomplish with a lot of things I already have at home. I don't need to go out and buy a bunch of products or a bunch of uh, curriculum where I don't need to have a bunch of workbooks available. Like Megan mentioned, there's so many things here at home we have that can teach these outcomes um, that it can really take the pressure off and, and, and can start a parent's um, wheels turning in terms of, okay, how can I approach this and how can I teach it in a way that's tailored to my individual child and their interests? So that's actually one of my favorite resources. And I go to that website all the time and visit it and look at the outcomes just for inspiration and guidance in terms of how to structure our days and what I want to try and incorporate into their learning process. And from there, I'll be honest, over the next few weeks, I'm really hoping to um, utilize everything that we have here at home and just our backyard and some of the nature walks we have around us to uh, give my kids the learning outcomes that they're they're expected to meet over the next weeks and or months and utilize that to give them a more individualized, outdoor-focused uh, learning plan rather than um, 
rather than utilizing stuff online. I think my kids are going to spend enough time with screens over the next few weeks. So I'm really trying to do an outdoor style of, of learning for them in the planned, the planned activities that I have. Mm -hmm. Now, do you have any thoughts on Megan, how organized parents need to be in order to do this? Because it feels like, like you said, that we're being thrown into this and it's, it's hard to ramp up really quickly. So how can parents ease into this and figure out what to do? Well, I would like to say that I'm an organized homeschooler, but the reality is that I'm not. I don't think it's really possible to follow the schedule that pretty much every home parent, home learning family sets in the beginning of the year that seems to always die off for any of my homeschooling friends anyways, a few months into it, because our kids are changing and learning and growing and they're just dynamic little beings, right? So you can set kind of an idea as to how you want to do this. But even from week to week, their interests change. Sometimes from day to day, you know, they'll be absolutely obsessed with this one thing. And then two days later, they don't care at all. And you've just ordered all of these online resources, oh, right? <laughs> like you've just ordered all the books. I can't tell you how many times <laughs> that's happened to me. So I would say like, don't put that pressure on yourself to write, you know, sticker charts or or anything like that. Just kind of see where your kids are at. Look for consistencies in their interests. If it seems like something that's going to last for quite a while, then yeah, you might want to order some books on that subject or find, you know, science projects about that thing or, or whatever. You might want to build on that. But sometimes they're just mentioning something in passing. And homeschoolers especially tend to be always looking for things that their kids are interested in. So I myself have grabbed onto some ideas that my kids might mention at dinner. And then by the next morning, they've completely forgotten about it. And don't <laughs> care so, so I would say like, let go of that idea that homeschoolers are particularly organized because the majority of us are not that organized. We have a loose idea of what we need to do each week or each month. Um, like Fia said, based on that BC government curriculum learning outcomes, but how we get there can be a little bit different. So mm -hmm. we're mostly looking for opportunities to talk about things that might be in that, in those learning outcomes. We might, you know, we might have a variety of books. It's a little bit harder now with all of the libraries closed. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of library apps that you can download and you can get eBooks um, and audio books for your kids on subjects that they're interested in. And then, just kind of have a loose idea, honestly. Don't don't write plans. They'll be quickly forgotten, especially in the chaos of people trying to work from home and educate their kids. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, give yourself some grace in that organization section. Hey guys, I think you've heard of EQ Bank before. Of course, we're all customers. Yeah, happy customers. I love using their EQ Bank Savings Plus account as an all-in-one checking and savings account. A savings account that offers a competitive everyday interest rate with no everyday banking fees plus no minimum account balances? Count me in. Right? You can also send international money transfers for up to eight times cheaper with your EQ Bank Savings Plus account. Is it easy? It's really easy. You can send money overseas in a few easy steps, and sometimes it gets there instantly. 
Canadians on the path to FI will love the simplicity of EQ Bank. To find out more, head to exploreficanada.ca forward slash EQ Bank. I'll move on to my next question after, but I just want to check in with Money Mechanic to see if, as a non-homeschooler, do you have any, or not even a parent, do you have any any questions that you think <laughs> someone who's completely new to homeschooling might have? Uh, well, it's been fascinating listening so far, actually. I Just not as much of questions as just things that are occurring to me as we chat through this. And I love that um, there's Fia that brought up cooking at home. And that's such a great idea. If you're not active in the kitchen, that's a you know learning how to measure and how to read and put a recipe together. And that got me thinking, well, if there's any kind of take advantage of this time, if there's DIY projects around the house that depending on the age of your children, they can help you with. I mean, learning how to use a tape measure and read measurements. And hey, we still use the imperial system for a lot of tape measures, so learning fractions. And <laughs> There are so many little things around the house that uh, probably get washed away in our busy lives that now there might be time to do. And yeah, I think they could be educational experiences for your kids. Maybe they don't usually participate in that. So that's just one of the things I was thinking along the way. Maybe think about how many things there are even around our house. I mean, we've got jigsaw puzzles and like you said, there's games and books and crib. That was such a great suggestion too. That's a really good counting game. I'll, I'll follow up to that money mechanic because I think you're, you're bang on like the, as you start to turn your mind towards that, it's like, Oh, you know, I could take this time to teach my kid how to use the laundry machine and how to sort their whites from their colors and how to use the dryer and how, which clothes to hang. Like there's such an opportunity for learning. And sometimes we get so focused on our traditional thoughts about school that we forget there's learning opportunities in every environment. You know, learning how to clean a bathroom is a wonderful lifestyle for our kids to have. <laughs> yes. And if maybe that hasn't had, you haven't had the opportunity to do that. Maybe this is the time you learn how to scrub a toilet and clean the sink and mirror. You know, there's, there's all these things around our house you know someone some people might say I'm suggesting we turn COVID into an opportunity for child labor but <laughs> but it's a great time for your kids to start to kind of recognize and learn more about what goes into a household now that they're going to be spending more time there so I think it's a really great point you have especially about the DIY stuff like what a great opportunity to get in there and start to learn about tools and safety and as you mentioned fractions and measurements like it's, it's endless once you start going down that road. Yeah, that really opens up uh, to my next question, where I was going to ask both of you, uh, Megan and Fia, what kind of message would you give to parents to help them take the pressure off? Because this is going to be stressful and we're not trained to be teachers. What is it, if you boil it right down, what is it that our kids really should be doing for this final term of school that they're likely going to miss? Well, I would say that that depends on the child's age. If they're about to graduate high school and there are credits that they never got a chance to fill or something like that, that's going to be a lot harder than a child who is trying to learn their letters in kindergarten, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So it does have to be a little bit uh, individual advice. Giving homeschooling advice is a little bit like giving financial advice where it's hard to give that to the masses and have it fit everyone's situation. Mm -hmm. But there are homeschooling communities in, well, pretty much every community across Canada. Um, there are social gatherings now online. But if you go to things like Facebook and there's, you know, there's definitely ones in BC, Ontario, and Saskatchewan that I've seen um, that have 
resources of seasoned homeschoolers who know, hey, you know, this is our province's curriculum. Here's where you can find that. Or this is the requirements for graduation in this province. Or these are the uh, social studies projects that are supposed to be worked on each year, that kind of thing. So lean on those seasoned professionals online and um, they'll, they'll be more than willing to help. I mean, homeschoolers in general are a very welcoming community and have been answering a lot of questions from our friends and family who are now in, in this with mm -hmm. us, right? So mostly just don't put too much pressure on yourself. Don't put too much pressure on the kids. This is a chaotic time and it'll require a little bit of depressurization, uh, give a little bit of grace to yourself so that if it doesn't work one day, if just one day your kid wakes up in a foul mood and they refuse to do anything, that's okay. Even if it lasts a week or two weeks, that's okay. Because especially in those younger ages, when they decide to learn something, they can learn in the snap of a finger, you know, they'll decide one day, okay, well, it's time to learn my letters and they'll have them all done within a few hours. So when a kid sets their mind to something, whether that be something you want them to do or something you don't want them to do, they're going to go for it, right? Mm -hmm. So your job is to just kind of look for those opportunities. When your kid is in a great mood, that's when you want to have those conversations. And if you only get 15 minutes of homeschooling in a day done, that's okay because the next day it might be two hours spread throughout the day or four hours. Or so I have one daughter who will just take as much as she can get. So, and there's a lot of ways to go about it too. There's a lot of board games that you can play that teach math and English and social studies and science. Um, those are all available on Amazon. We'll put together a list for the show notes. Things like that that can connect the family are amazing and your kids will learn more if they feel like they're interacting. But for those parents who are working from home and just don't have the time to be able to sit down and work through it, the alternative to that is either homeschooling during the evenings and weekends or during your lunch break when you don't need to be working or to also lean on those apps and websites that kind of put the whole package together for you when you just don't have time to do it yourself. That's fantastic. Those are great tips. How about you, Fia? What, what would you like to share with parents to help them take the pressure off, but do what they can to help? Totally. I, I would have to echo a lot of what Megan said there in that Obviously, if your child is in grade 11 or 12, there are going to be some additional considerations you're going to want to take in terms of where they're at and have they met their credits, um, particularly grade 12. And fortunately, I think there's going to be a lot of online resources and help for any children or any teens who haven't met those credits to be able to get those in to ensure that they graduate if they're in grade 12 this year. So I think that's a separate beast all in and of itself. But for every other child under that age range, I would say to all parents listening to this, take the pressure off entirely. Your child is not in the grand scheme in the big picture of life, your child is not going to be um, at a disadvantage because they missed three or four weeks or three or four months of schooling mm -hmm. up to this point. They're truly not. And so as a parent, if all you can do is help them continue to practice their reading and practice their math, you're, you're, they're going to be fine. If you can just cover off those two things and give them opportunities to work on it, learn it and practice it, they'll be just fine. So I think Megan's absolutely right. Take the pressure off. 
You don't need to figure out how to give your child, deliver your child an honor roll curriculum over the next couple of months. <laughs> Just take it as an opportunity to do things a little bit differently, interact hopefully as a family more than we ever have the opportunity to in our usual day-to-day lives and um, create learning opportunities in, in those experiences. And I think your child will probably take away a lot more um, by doing that. And for parents who are working from home, I would say, and this all depends on your children and how they interact together, but if you have multiple children and they do interact well together, teeing them up together to work in teams while you're getting work done is an awesome way for an older child to teach a younger child and reinforce their own uh, learning as well in the process. So for instance, for my oldest, one of his things that he loves to do is read books to his younger brother. And so giving them a time frame when he can do that for his younger brother is, is ideal. And the same is true of math. He loves to do uh, math problems with his younger brother, and that just reinforces his skills for him. So Using your children to occupy each other in a learning environment and in a learning atmosphere can give your older child a sense of confidence and, you know, being um, the person in charge and getting an opportunity to show what they know. Sometimes, depending on the relationship, younger siblings will just eat up that opportunity. I love that. Those are fantastic. And Megan, what about you? Uh, I'll turn it now to non-homeschool time. What are your suggestions for surviving the next few weeks or months uh, just as a parent who might have to be working or might have to be busy preparing things just to get the house set up because everyone's at home. What are your suggestions for parents who are having a hard time keeping their kids occupied? Oh, that's a tricky one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've never really mastered that, even with having intentionally done this to myself. (laughs) I said this up years ago. (laughs) Uh, But it's constantly changing, right? Depending on kids' ages and their moods. Sometimes, like what Fia suggested, they're working together and I have them team up and entertain each other while I have to take a phone call or record a podcast. (laughs) That's what they're doing right now. They're playing board games, you know, um, and... I have relaxed a little bit on my rigidity of homeschooling and having everything be educational, but at the same time, I'm strategic what I'm bringing into the house because sometimes if they have the option of sitting and watching TV for 10 hours, they would definitely do that. (laughs) So during the times when I don't want them to be doing that, I turn off the Wi-Fi. I have Shaw Blue Curve, so you can turn turn off like individual devices and that kind of thing. So the TV is disconnected. You know, the their tablets have only the games that I want them to be playing. So I'm strategic with what I'm downloading on there and the goals that I'm trying to get them to achieve. So even when they're having kind of downtime, and they have no idea that this is learning time, it still kind of works for me. There's a ton of board games that they can play together and and they don't know that that's anything but fun. So they that kind of works as well. But as, in regards to parenting while you're trying to get work done, accept that that won't always work, mm-hmm. except that kids will come into your to your office and need to chat with you or you'll need to break up a fight every now and then so give yourself a little bit of grace as to how much time you're expected to work you know maybe plan to start start your day a little bit earlier or a little bit later than you normally would if you were in an office because you'll be taking kind of mini breaks throughout the day to deal with things that they need to be to have dealt with 
Um, and for little kids, you know, my toddler, he's the most demanding, of course, because he's a toddler. And something that I find really works, if I absolutely have to finish a report or something, I will actually put him in the bathtub with toys and I bring my laptop into the bathroom and I will type and do whatever I need to get done because I find kids, especially little kids, when they're outside or when they're in the bath, they're very happy and they they don't want much from you, right? You know, sit back far enough from the bathtub that you won't get your computer splashed. But other than that, I can buy myself an hour, sometimes an hour and a half sitting them in the bathtub. Wow. Whereas if out outside, he tends to dart more, right? So I can't sit and just really focus and get what I need to get done. I need to be there helping him climb up rocks and, and do all that kind of stuff. But in the bathtub, he's contained yeah. and happy. <laughs> And he'll take multiple baths a day, and he just wrinkles. Raisin like after an hour and a half exactly. in the tub. Yeah, you know, buy stocks in like ba bubble bath companies. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> that buys me a lot of time. Like he would be happily take two or three baths a day. So if I have something I absolutely have to get done, and I cannot get my older kids to entertain him, or for whatever reason he's just in a cranky mood put him in the bath and I've bought myself quite a I while. I wish I'd known you when my kids were little. I, I could have used that <laughs> many days. <laughs> my best <I> trick. <laughs> and Fia, what about you and, and Mike? You're, you're retired now, but you will be spending yeah. a lot more time with your kids than you'd expected in the coming months. So how are you planning to survive this time? Yes. So I have a few, I have a few ideas on different things we're going to try to do. So I'll, I'll run them down quickly for you. But we're, we're also under the unique circumstances right now with a double challenge of coming up with stuff to do is that our youngest actually broke his leg a couple of weeks ago. <gasps> oh, no. Yes. So oh. I know, poor guy, he's in a full yeah. leg cast oh, and boy. won't be out of it for a couple more weeks yet. So we're <sighs> trying to be creative about the different activities. But one of the ones that I am going, I've been prepping for and we'll be doing over the next couple of weeks is we're going to do some tasting challenges. So Chrissy and Money Mechanic, you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a wine fan. <laughs> so I decided to take that tasting idea and apply it to other food items that I can share with my kids. So we're going to do a chocolate tasting of a bunch of different oh, types of chocolate. And we're going to talk about the different flavors that we detect in each one and what we like about them, what we don't like about them. And we're going to do that with some different fruits and some different vegetables as well. And then a few different recipes that they're going to help me make that we'll do over the coming weeks. So I thought that would be a fun way to hopefully expand their food horizons a little bit and get them paying attention to what flavors they see in food and what comes out and and get them articulating how how they um, sense that so that'll hopefully be something fun for us to do and it's it's cast friendly for my littlest one <laughs> who who oh Megan as you were talking about baths there I was thinking oh I miss bath time so much yeah, you right now. <laughs> no baths um just sponge baths right now so a couple more weeks and we'll be back to baths but so that's one of our favorite ones and then we are um going to be close to the water. It's chilly, but we're going to be close to the water for a little bit of this. So we're going to do um, some time out on the beach and building sandcastles and some construction and, and design efforts. Um, even though it's cold, they'll happily play in the sand and do that and maybe some campfires at night. Um, so we'll do those things and throw a little bit of fresh air into the mix and hopefully keep them from getting too cooped up and us as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it'll be nice for all of us to keep in touch and just check our online communities to 
maintain our connections with people and to see how they're doing and if they have any tips if we're starting to go a little stir crazy in our houses. (laughs) These are lots of great tips for parents and and non-parents alike. So Money Mechanic, do you have anything else you'd like to add before we close off? Well, I just find it interesting that, uh, you know, with all four of us here that are into personal finance and seeking financial independence, that was one thing that didn't come up was take the time now, because we know there's somewhat of a lack of financial education in the schools that now could be the time where you, depending on your child's age, of course, but about how personal banking works, how Mm -hmm. compound interest works, you know, um, how credit cards work, all these little things that we kind of take for granted as parents or as adults that uh, it could also be an, an interesting topic if you frame it properly, of course. I'm sure it could be quite boring, but uh, surprised <laughs> none of you brought that up today already. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, that's what I'd be doing. <laughs> totally. You know, what's funny about that, Money Mechanic, is that I spend so much of my time planning how to teach my kids about that outside of school hours that I totally missed that today in discussing it. But I think it's, I think it's a great point, and I think yes. it's a great opportunity to do exactly that. There are board games for that, too. I'll put those sure. in the show notes. I'll be, these are going to be the real most robust show <laughs> yes. notes anybody's ever seen. Thank you, Megan. That's fantastic. I look, I look forward to seeing them as a parent. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad. Well, it sounds like Megan just volunteered to do the show notes. So that's good. <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have a whole lot else to add. I think there's some great information in there and our listeners can always reach out to us and to Explorify Canada. And I know there's lots of resources online. I've been noticing that a lot of teachers have been posting uh, that if people need resources, they can get in touch with them and things like that. So we're just really lucky to be in a in the digital age where so much stuff is accessible to us these days. Yeah, so. I agree. Well, thank you, Fia and Megan, for joining us. This was fascinating for me, even as a parent uh, and someone who knows a little bit about homeschooling. This There were lots of actionable tips in here, and you really did help to take the pressure off of me and hopefully lots of other parents that they don't have to go to the ends of the earth to try to provide uh a replacement education for their kids. Just getting them involved in everyday life may be enough just to get us by to the end of the school year. And hopefully in September, they'll be ready to start and schools can open again and everything will be pretty much back to normal. Let's hope. Yeah. Fingers hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. Thank you. And well, before we sign off, of course, Fia blogs at her site. Why don't you plug that before you go? Oh, for sure. www.freedom101.ca. And you can find my Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest from there. Perfect. Right on. And thanks for your uh, your first official co-hosting opportunity, Megan. You were fantastic as always. <laughs> I had a great time as always. Thank you, both of you. Thanks for listening. You can find all our show notes at explorifycanada.ca. Do you like what you're hearing? Help us grow by sharing the show with friends and family. Please subscribe and leave us a comment or review on your favorite podcast directory. You can also find us at our own blogs, figarage.ca, canadianfire.ca, or eatsleepbreathefy.com. Our music today was provided by Purple Planet. We'll be back with another episode soon. We'll talk then.